On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're getting stuck into a feminist anthology series from the creators of Glow in Apple TV's Raw, heading behind bars with Catherine Tate in Netflix's Hard Sell, crime-solving with a vicar's son in Agatha Christie's Why Didn't They Ask Evans on BritBox, which Will Poulter will be with us a bit later to discuss, and being joyously reunited with the Derry Girls for the long-awaited return of Channel 4's breakout sitcom. And Derry Girl, Saoirse Monica Jackson joins us on this very show as well to talk all things nuns, 90s, and normal. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, a show that narrowly avoided a rather awkward scenario this week as we review Raw. Beth is on a set visit, and it looked very much like she wouldn't be able to make the show, meaning that it would fall to me to James Blaine, the female experience to you all while tackling <laughs> Apple's feminist anthology series, which of course I was prepared to do. However, of course you were. All is well, all is well, because Beth has taken precious moments away from working on her tan to be with us regardless from her five-star resort getaway in an undisclosed location. How are we, Beth? I've been worse, James. But, so we should say, like, Beth's, if you're wondering about Beth's dodgy acoustics today, because let's be honest, this, this five-star oh. resort offers many things, including sunbeds and cocktails and pools, but what it doesn't give you is a nice soundproof booth. There's a large, what looks like marble staircase sweeping away <laughs> behind her. There is a huge sort of curled, <laughs> sort of frosted glass chandelier overhead. Uh, how was the breakfast buffet? Was it good? Oh, I went back four times this morning. I bet you did. Wow. I bet you can take the girl out of Swindon. You can... <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> wow. I mean, let's be honest, we're a long way from fucking Swindon here. <laughs> but yeah, if there's one thing I love, it is a breakfast buffet. And I it's have so like, you know, in Fresh Meat, um, there's an episode with a really great uh, scene where uh, Howard, the character Howard, he has like a, a system for going to the buffet, like, you load up on like light items, like the prawn crackers yeah. don't go in for like spring rolls or anything. <laughs> and then you grow and you grow and you grow and you just want little bits of everything. So I was I was embracing my inner Howard this morning and going, you know, a little bit of fruit to start with, a little bit of fruit here, a little bit of cake, and then like ended with the big boy. Yeah, um, give me now a you- full fry up with an omelette and mm. toast. And- <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, and then I had to come and speak to you. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. It's, it's, it's not all. It's not all pleasure. Can we just say, listeners, that we can see, we can see with this vision of Beth, and the, and that staircase in the background is grandiose. It's like <laughs> it's, it's like it's, it's like fucking Sunset Boulevard or something. So it's it is an absolute down, joke. Like, it is an absolute joke. But also, we need to play it down a little bit. So, a bit of context. So, like this time last week, I didn't know I was coming here. Um, right. This had all been arranged for our wonderful features editor, Alex Godfrey, and then. Someone in his household got COVID very last minute and I had to step up and do it. So if Alex is listening, it's horrible. Yeah. There are like, there's plaster yeah. coming off the walls, there's leaks, the weather's, it's raining. That's definitely not tropical birds. You can hear it in the yeah. background. I, I, I think it's important that, you know, you didn't get a hotel room. You got a duplex apartments. That's just because of Mansion. course you did. Oh my I've God. become accustomed to a certain lifestyle this week. Let's be honest. I understand. I understand. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, of course, not coming to us live from exclusive resorts, uh, unless you count Hilton Towers, Boyd's <laughs> Fortress and Central London, uh, is the one and only Boyd Hilton. How are you, Boyd? Are you feeling Are you feeling like you need a, a large sweeping marble staircase behind you? I am, but I'm also a bit, um, I, I, I have a trip um, that's coming up next week um, in which I'm supposed to be going to New York on Monday, but I'm slightly, I, I have this great, you have to have a, a lateral flow test the day before. And I just have this vision of not, of it, of it being positive. Um, I've got a slight, little slight sore throat you know, mm. I, I, I tested myself yesterday. It was fine. But, you know, 
If I can't it's go, stressful. if I can't, it's stressful. And you have to, Listen, you have if you to, can't go, I'm quite good at coming in as the Bambi. Right? Yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want to, yeah. I mean, I've written all my questions for the panel I'm hosting on Tuesday in New York. So, you know, yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll mooch you. Um, but <laughs> I dread, you know, imagine making that cool as well. Oh, anyway. So, yeah. But in, on the plus side, I'm supposed to be going to New York next week. <laughs> Let's okay. just stick with that. And are you there for the whole week? Will we do? Will you be Pretty doing much, podcasts yeah. from New York? Will, yes, you will. We will. Yeah, you have. You'll be able to see my. I think, frankly, rather smaller um, hotel room with no grand staircase uh, in the background. But yeah, I think that's the plan. I intend to be there most of the week. Yeah, exciting, exciting. Mm. All right, fine. Now we should obviously get on to what we've been watching, but I kind of feel that before we do that, we need to get a slight head start on the news section and talk about one particular news item at the top of the show, uh, because I don't think it can wait. Uh, Specifically, a recent Netflix announcement that the adaptation of Terry White's memoir, Coming Undone, uh, will be airing on that platform with, and I cannot emphasize this enough, Billy Piper playing Terry. Yeah, I mean... Which, to be fair, we have known for some time and haven't been able to say anything about it. But, but, I mean, that's... Oh, Gossipy Dyer here did that as, like, months ago. I did not. Terry's going to listen to this. I did no such thing. You're lying. (laughs) Um, It's very exciting. It's very, very, very exciting. Uh, I can't wait to see it. I'm sure there was someone... Did you see? I'm sure it was on the press release somewhere. Do you know when it's coming out? I didn't even see that bit. No. I don't think that was on the press release. They don't... don't, Okay, good, good, good. Terry's also adapting it which they yeah, announced as well yeah, she's adapting, adapting it yeah yeah she's, yeah. she's written the she, teleplay for it yeah um so i don't think they've started filming it have they so i think no. it's going to be a, a while away my guess is uh autumn 2023 yeah or maybe you know maybe it's going to be like one of netflix's big you know surprise drops christmas day 2023 a little bit of an uplifting <laughs> you know, a, little bit of like up, yeah, a, yeah. a light uplifting frothy affair <laughs> Yeah, feel good comedy hits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on, on Christmas Day. Who knows? Yeah, but the the main speculation when the news broke on um, what was it Tuesday, Wednesday this week, and everyone went suitably bonkers. Like Billy mm. Piper, perfect casting. Um, obviously Terry and I and many Whovians are huge fans of hers, just from a Doctor Who context, let alone the brilliant I Hate Swindon. Susie, etc. Swindon factor. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> um, but everyone, the thing that everyone was saying is who's going to play James Dyer in the series. <laughs> This key figure, okay. this key figure in Terry's life. Um, I can't emphasise enough that this memoir is about my friend's childhood abuse. Yeah, like you I say am that. not going to feature in this story, and I don't you think I want that. to. Like, of course, you say that, but we don't know because you know often on in these things in the TV adaptations of books, you have to expand the world, expand, show more yes. of Terry's life. I You're wouldn't right. be surprised. I wouldn't be at all surprised, and I have not discussed this with her. If this, <laughs> if the whole show opens in present day, you have it calling her, hey, her calling you a bell end, and then it flashing back to being yes. in hospital in New York, and it'll you go know, like all that. six yeah. years earlier. Yes, <laughs> yes. A framed you know, narrative is the way forward. I think definitely. Yeah. It should, it should absolutely start with us in the podcast studio recording some episode where I've made her watch The Expanse, like, without a doubt, yeah. something like yeah. that. 100%. And her just going, oh, for fuck's sake! And then just, like, <laughs> on a diatribe, and then it flashes back right. to Terry that, in New York. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Terry, if you're listening, you can, this, right. you can have this... Um, jam, you can have this, jam, yeah. Jam, yeah. If you've not already worked this into the screenplay, yeah. which I'm sure you have, uh, yeah. feel free to make some tweaks. I'm sure Netflix <clears> will understand, because this will, of course, raise raise the whole product slightly. Uh, yes, who, who will play me? Who, who will play you, Boyd? Who will play any of us? Yeah, I'm, I'm well, thrown here. I could call Statham, see if he's available. Oh, gosh. 
Yeah, Statham for you, I think, definitely. I kind of um, see it as Statham, mm. but like, but you know how like Dave Prowse was voiced over by James Earl Jones in Star Wars. Yes, I, yes. I don't think Statham has the kind of smug pomposity no. to really capture me. I'm so yeah. I'm thinking, being like, oh, I, I think you're fine. I, fi- I think you're <laughs> yeah. fine, mate. I, I think you're fine. fine. It's yeah. fucking great. Yeah. Uh, no, I, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. So no. I'm saying Statham, but voiced <laughs> over by Stephen Fry. Yeah, perfect. Also, I noticed someone. <laughs> I noticed someone on Twitter. Well, he didn't even react to that. But it's just like, yeah, probably. <laughs> I noticed someone on Twitter suggesting Stanley Tucci for you. Stanley Tucci is my celebrity lookalike. No, no, he's Tucci. mine. No, he's no. mine. He's mine. You're getting Tucci, are you? Is more that, than is that two Tucci people. You? More than two people in the world have said I look like Stanley Tucci. Was I mean, one of them? They are, you? They are hardest, <laughs> hardest. One of them was me. Yeah. And funnily enough, I think I might tell this story before because um, this is once a question that some we did in some other context i think and um a couple of people said oh you know maybe try stanley tucci and i said this to terry and she was like fuck off because he's obviously really handsome megastar yeah fair enough all right anyway stanley tucci's playing me and uh dubbed heavily dubbed other bald man's playing you yeah, could be yeah, played just two by. random bald people off the streets. You know, random get Carl Pilkington to play me. I would have thought. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah who just can play Beth? I mean, I've met Terry maybe twice. So. Oh, you, think, you don't think you're going to be a, a starring <laughs> role think in this? I'm making the cut, to be oh, honest. That's a shame. That is a shame. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll find out. You know, obviously, the exclusive on Coming Undone was broken on the Pilot TV podcast. As it, oh no, hang on, that's not true. That's not true. It was released on Deadline. Thanks, Terry. Uh, that's fine. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's 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 exciting. I'm, I'm I'm very excited about it. I do, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to. And I'm not saying that I'm making Terry's entire memoir and now TV show about me, but I absolutely am. Because uh, what I'm looking forward to having Billy on this show as Terry. So yeah. what I think we do is 100%. Do you know, I think it'd be valuable for her to get into character. I think it'd be useful. It'd be useful acting, thespian tool for her to come on and adopt the Terry persona, call me a bellend and just, you know, review shows with us for a couple of hours. Do you know what's going to happen? I mean, that would be lovely. Do you know what's actually going to happen? Though? I guarantee this is what's going to happen, right? Autumn. 2023 Netflix I'm, I'm, I'm furling their new show they're like um, do you want access to anyone from this new uh, show which Terry's written based on a memoir starring Billy Piper we're like yes please can we have Billy Piper and they're like uh, she's not available right now do you want <laughs> do you want I mean, the, the bloke who plays the doctor in the back in the behind the scenes yeah. in the you, you, uh, yeah. so we've got yeah. this, this bald guy who plays someone called James Dwyer or something yeah. like, do you want yeah. him on so maybe yeah. we'll do that we'll, we'll actually yeah. and then we'll be like can we get the showrunner terry white maybe like the writer like, they'll be like yeah. eh, she's doing um the radio times podcast uh exclusively yeah, yeah sorry her time is very limited it her is an international is junket yeah <laughs> like, okay yeah. fine okay. fine yeah. what else mm. uh yeah i can't wait can't mind. No, very excited. But anyway, congratulations, big congratulations to Terry. I'm very yes. pleased that this has happened, uh, and it's kind. Of, I mean, it's deeply surreal. I imagine it must be ten times more surreal for her than it is for us. Uh, but yeah. it's it's very strange. But uh, exciting, exciting news. But unfortunately, like as we go into what we've been watching, it's going to be about Terry again. <laughs> because <laughs> wow. And the reason I mention this is because 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 Terry was on Twitter last night. In fact, boy, last night or yesterday day at some point oh, in yeah. the last twenty four hours, Terry was on Twitter. Yeah. 
And she tweeted, without, I assume, wanting to anger at James C. Dyer, I loved, loved Newark, Newark. I spent the first 10 minutes <laughs> perplexed and then fell down the rabbit hole due to its utter charm and writing and Morgana Robinson. Uh, and she was, I think... I'm safe to say, outraged, Boydie, at yeah. you specifically yeah. that we did not what? review it on this particular show because this was oh, Boyd's yeah. fault. Yeah, it's Boyd, all my fault, of yeah. course, never one to pass the buck, said, no, I mentioned it on the pod, but sadly I played to James's <laughs> petty prejudices and did not push for it to be reviewed. So, so a show I've literally never heard of, I'm getting sort of pilloried <laughs> for not covering on the podcast. Well, all I'd say is that you should have heard of it if you listen to a word I fucking say on this I podcast. Mean, you know that isn't the case. Because... <laughs> to defend myself, to defend myself in the and other and what, what do we call that section and other stuff coming up or whatever that we don't have time also to review. Out, yes. <laughs> also out, also out. I mentioned it in the also out section and I said it does Morgana Robinson, Matthew Horn. I mentioned it was a three part. I mentioned I think it's written by Nathan Fode, who's a really good it young is. talent who worked on, who's in Bloods as well. The other show I mentioned as well that we didn't review that we probably should have done that Terry would really like if she watched it. I don't know. Anyway, so yes, I did mention it and I did watch first episode and it is really really good but you would effing hate it have you actually start, watched any of it yet yeah well boys well boys consummate professional that i am okay uh i did in fact oh my wow. gosh watch oh my newark God. newark mainly wow. because terry basically forced me to like she was like she's like so terry's response to you off that was can you imagine the pod conversation though can you and then she goes uh she, she asked me would i watch just one episode and she has promised to listen to the podcast if i watch nah. one episode let's let's get over the fact she hasn't listened to a single episode yeah. since she's left let's just let's just put that to one side it's fine it's fine I'm, yeah, it's fine it's fine i'm not upset at all uh but she said do it for her and she wants she wants, so i did so last night because I had a little bit of time before I went to bed. I was like, come on, let's do this thing. So I fired up Newark, Newark, and I watched the first episode. Obviously, I didn't like it. That kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's not for me. It's just no. not for me. I think we can all agree it's not what, what one would call it's, a banner James show. Not ba it's about working class people in the north, well, like Nottinghamshire. and, and it's Midlands. Midlands, all right. And, um, and it's a comedy, yeah. I mean, fucking hell. Yeah. It's not. I mean, I did. I did not enjoy it. I. I will. So, okay. So. 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 I will say to its credit, like I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was terrible, which I think is obviously very good of me to say. <laughs> yeah. But I. I no. I, it's just. It's just. It wasn't. It's not what I look for in TV. I. My plus size. I would say. I thought Jai Hollis, who plays Leslie, who I think is the uh, sort of semi autobiographical heart of this. I think he's kind of Nathan Fode's avatar in this particular show. Uh, I thought he was very very good, and I thought the relationship between him and his mother, which is kind of the core of this first episode and presumably the whole show, all three episodes. I don't know, but I'm assuming it is. I thought yeah. that was lovely, and I really liked their relationship. I thought it was very believable, and it was quite uh, quite heartwarming. Beyond that. It kind of pressed all of my irritation buttons because it's just like it's quite broad comedy. It's got that comedy trope that I hate more than anything else, unfortunately, which is Saskia Shana plays in the character Claire, who's kind of works for for Maxine in the chip shop, and she's the comedy stupid character, the person who is so improbably stupid. They say improbably stupid things and do sort of improbably stupid things, and I I can't. <laughs> I, I, so I hated Phoebe and Friends for exactly the same reason. And Joey in the early seasons, I also hated, but grew to like him as his character got more nuanced further on. But I hate those comedy clown characters. They really, really irritate me. But I just, I dislike that particular comedy trope. I don't like it. And also comedy, generally. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't yeah. find it remotely funny. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. But it's had very, very good reviews. People have said it's very, very good. They have yeah. liked it a lot. It is good. 
And well, t- tell me, Boyd. So, so, so you watch this, and assuming for a second, hypothetically, <laughs> that I didn't listen when you summed it up in the also out section. Yeah. Like, what was yeah. your takeaway from Newark? Newark. Well, I think it's. I think it was. Re- I think it was really good. I've only seen the first episode. First of yes, all, fair. Uh, and now that Terry um, has acclaimed it, I'm going to crank up the next two. Um, but yeah, I think it was. I think it's a really. Um, I like the like the tone of it. I think it's like you know got that slightly heightened but kind of essentially believable. I mean the stu- the stock character who's who's stupid is that's so funny. It's like you can't deal with those characters. They are some of the most indelible characters in sitcom history, aren't they? I mean you know, Cheers had coach. Then Woody was you know effectively replaced him, played by Woody Harrelson, yeah. who's obviously and that's just a glorious character. So I'm completely like. I don't agree with you there at all. Some of those characters. Well, I mean, no, but it's not. I'm not saying they're bad. It's just me. It's me. I don't yeah, like them. Is, Whereas, for example, uh, Manuel in Fawlty Towers works because he's not that he's stupid. It's the language barrier that makes it farcical. It's not actually that he's a stupid character. Yeah. So I like okay. Manuel. But it's a celebration, I think, New York, New York of of its of its setting, of its of the of that community of the. You know, I'm not. I don't want to sound too pompous about it, but I think it. it I think it is one of those shows that really. Um, Celebrates kind of working class life and um, the slight the British eccentricity of it all, and that, and that's why I like that it has that tone to it, which I liked. Yeah, and Morgana Robinson is just she's brilliant, and she's always brilliant in everything. She's kind of one of the slightly under undervalued, I think. I mean, she's in loads of stuff, but like she had her own series on I think BBC a couple few years ago where she played like loads of different characters, and she's loads of like she's an incredible impressionist. She's an unbelievable talent. Basically, that I think you know, I think it's great that she is. This this is her show. She's the lead in the show. So that alone is re- is huge reason to celebrate. But I think we shouldn't spend too long in it because Beth hasn't seen it. So it's like you know, yeah, this is a great use of my yeah, time, guys. We're drowning <laughs> out at the sun. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Through the trees. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but but do sorry, carry are on. the tropical birds distracting you, Beth? <laughs> I, you know, I'm sorry. Not distracting me. I just rather look at them than <laughs> listen to you talking about how fine, much you hate Matthew. Fine. Well, Newark Newark is uh, has are they all available now? It's, it's yes. on gold, isn't it? It's on gold. So you're on like UK TV Play or whatever their their um, catch up services. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> make that up. Yes, it's only three episodes. Uh, if you are not me, you will probably enjoy it. Uh, right. So what have we been watching? Who wants to go? Who wants to jump in? We're on a clock today because Beth has a tan to work on. <laughs> I mean, mine's really short, so because we've watched, we've watched like what seventy shows for this episode, so like that, yeah, yeah got, got to go through those. But my main task at the moment, so Boyd and I are doing a um, a podcast with um, pilot rival Chris Hewitt on Better Call Saul. I'm still watching it for the first time, so I've got to try and get through a season and a half of Better Call Saul by Wednesday, I think. So I am yeah. mainline in Better Call Saul at the moment. I am just. Just wake up in the morning, roll over, put on bed or so. I'm up until like two at night, just staring like bleary eyed at my screen, watching bed or so. People are like, oh, do you want to go? We're going to go for a walk around the, you know, around the hills. No, I can't. I've got to watch bed or so. So yeah, I'm just I'm just getting through bed or so so I can do it. this. Is, you know, this is my commitment to our spoiler special. Um, it's pretty good, isn't it? Don't yeah, mind it. I, I, I'm, I am. <laughs> As Not ever, in awe of your, of your, in awe of your work ethic, watching episodes of Better Call Saul in what's the temperature there, Beth? If Alex, Alex asks, it's about minus four degrees. <laughs> if he's not listening, we're, yeah. we're in the early twenties. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like good, the way when, good, when James asked you what the temperature was, you just looked out of the window and kind of estimated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you got? <laughs> so I'm looking at the ripples and, uh, on the infinity bad. pool outside my window, <laughs> yeah. and it looks to be a balmy twenty-four degrees. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. Uh, Boydie, 
Yeah, first of all, of course, James should be catching up on Better Call Saul as well, but he's just, you know, I he's should. just not. I know. He's, just, he's probably on a. Well, I've been watching rewatch. Newark, Newark, haven't I? So. Um, yeah, that's taken all your time. That's, yeah, rather than an eighth rewatch of whatever the fuck sci fi thing you're catching up on. Anyway, I have been. The, basically, um, the Apple TV Plus shows that. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that we get sent, you know, like the first half of a season of a show. And what happens to me is I, sl- and I then I, so I devour like four or five episodes and then I kind of forget that then then updated week by week. And then you kind of forget when the finale is. So cut a long story short, Servant, I completely forgot that it was finishing like a couple of weeks ago. And I'd only seen the first half of the season, five out of, I think, 10 episodes or nine episodes, however many. So I caught up with, I finished Servant season three and OMG. <laughs> It really is. It's gone back to being. I mean, the first season we, I think, you and I and lots of people absolutely fucking loved. It was phenomenal. The second season, it did. There was a, there was there was definitely like a dip. Um, Terry wasn't that keen on it. I remember. Um, I think she reviewed it for Empire, and it had issues because it's such an intense um, concept of these like four peoples are kind of essentially like, you know, kind of preying on each other in this one setting of this huge big mansion in Philadelphia. Um, it's quite a claustrophobic thing. Then what they did in season this this season is they kind of did open it out a bit, so you see a lot of like the kind of area surrounding the house um, where Leanne, the kind of the nanny, the weird nanny who may or may not have supernatural powers, kind of meets this weird community who seem to be worshiping her the more they see of her. And there's a lot of that, and so it's only one small expanse into a, a slightly wider world, but it's really worked very well. And in fact, it still feels really claustrophobic, even though it's literally visually lighter, brighter and you know with more more um, locations etc but the last couple of episodes particularly of servant and i enjoy all of it they really it's got an absolute dark horrific wit to it there's it's constantly kind of it's like really funny while being really sick and twisted all the way through and then the last couple of episodes particularly are fantastic you know elevating into into horror basically especially the finale the finale will leave you breathless so i was completely um satisfied by this and now um very much looking forward to the f- the last season four and like shamlan has confirmed that season four will be the last yeah, the final season um, i think which i think is right i think it's like you know it's, it's brilliantly milked its various elements <laughs> in extraordinary ways um it's just and it is and and even though there are a lot of directors who work on it now who are like relatives of him like Shyamalan, right etc um uh that it, they've all kind of there's clearly a bible of how this show looks very meticulous the way it's directed and shot and i love the tone of it and the mood of it so servant and the other apple tv plus show severance which we all loved i think didn't we and I'm watching more and more of it, and I've got to, and the finale is today, I believe. Um, Fridays we're recording this, so people will have seen it by the time we come out on Monday. And I'm reaching the last couple of episodes, and it is ap- and it's got be- getting better and better and better. And that this show, you know, is something really special. It reminds me a lot of Devs. I think I mentioned that said a little bit at the time. And for me, Devs is like the ultimate. I lo- Devs is like yeah. one of my absolute, you know, masterpiece shows. But it's reaching that level of just it's set, it's created this world that is creepy and weird and has tentacles and it's like there's loads of different layers to it and they've thought it through so brilliantly and the implications of this weird corporate idea of shutting off half your separating your lives from your work life and your and your non-work life and it has so many brilliant ramifications and the cast is so fantastic christopher walken oh my god john tatura all of them and the way it's shot directed by ben stiller is fantastic so severance is going to be up there in i think the top 
three, four, five of the year for sure. Now, do remind me, how did you feel when we reviewed that? Because I know I liked it. I seem to I, recall neither of you did. No, we did. I initially. liked it. We all liked it. Michael's I just didn't love was where I was yeah. with it. I just okay. found it a little bit sterile and a little bit too unusual. But I'm I'm sticking with it. I am sticking with yeah. it. And it has, yeah. as the story has become more dev-like, as you say, that's a really good comparison. Um, I am finding myself more drawn into it. And I find the other characters around Adam Scott really compelling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've I've been drawn more and more into yeah. its and I, and very I, I think weird it, orbit. And that sterility, I think, is deliberate, and and it gets it's actually mm. goes less of it's less sterile as it goes on as you get to know the people, and particularly as you get yeah. to know more about their non work lives. That half that, and it get, gets actually really moving and and kind of profound stuff mm. about identity and all of that. Um, loads of great twists as well. Um, so yeah, I think we, it's a show that you cannot judge from the first couple of episodes. You have to no, keep on, no. and and it get and it's getting better and better. So um, I, I I'm sure I had qualms about it, but I think. I think we all thought it was potentially really, really good, and it is fucking good. Yeah, I need to press. I'm behind on so many things. Like, I, although I've managed to make a little bit of progress, so I was pressing on with Slow Horses this week, which I'm enjoying enormously. That just mm. gets better and better. Uh, yeah. So that's great. Having lots of fun also with that. Also, Apple I'm TV gonna, Plus. Also, Apple TV Plus. Yes, yeah. we've become an Apple TV we're Plus not- Shield podcast. Hey, look, but it's it is it is an interesting thing, and I, we were actually discussing this uh, in the office recently because we were up doing our list of the best uh, Netflix. TV shows, and we we're putting on the website. Oh, thanks um, so much have- for asking me to do that. That was really kind of you. <laughs> well, you know, Beth, I didn't want to take you away from your free resort <laughs> massage and spa treatment. I don't know and what yet, some here sort we of. Are. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's it. Beth, so as you can tell, she's actually covered in some kind of mud wrap while she's doing this. I can't. I'm very still because I've got hot stones all over <laughs> me at the moment. I'm very, very, very still. Like, the half naked man behind her, sort of hitting her with what looked like sort of U fronds of some kind in some kind of I don't know what's going it's on it's a but, Friday uh, morning for me to be honest James, fair but enough yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, no we were talking about how because like, obviously Netflix have volume they have a I mean don't get me wrong they've got some great shows on Netflix as well but it's just volume there's so much stuff on there and whereas you've got people like Apple who take the other approach where they go for really interesting slightly weird quirky really cool things but very few of them but um, yeah so I picked up with with Slow Horses uh, and also I am another episode down on Picard um Hmm. Yes. My my position on Picard has not altered. Let's just say that. I am still feeling very much where I was before on Picard. But the reason I bring up Picard is this. is not because I want to rag on season two anymore, although that will come. Uh, it's more to do with the fact that a little, a little teaser, little teaser came out this week for Picard season three, which is an odd thing to do when Picard season two hasn't actually finished, for sure. Yeah, but the yeah. teaser for Picard season three came out and it had Gates McFadden. It had LeVar Burton. It had Michael Dorn. Well, names up there. You know, you can hear all of them. But you heard voices like you know, Jonathan Frakes. Like, you know, it's like, oh, so actually they're going all in for this third and final, final, quote unquote final, because it's theoretically final, but may not be final uh, season of Picard. They are bringing the core Enterprise crew back together for it. And there's a part of me that's just like is this in response to the fact that everyone's a bit like i don't like season two or is it just you know because they shot them back to back they're like this is what we're going this is what we were always planning to do and we're now just sort of teasing it but this is what i'm here for so actually almost season two doesn't matter anymore like it, it, it can do whatever it wants it can continue to be a little bit frustrating for me uh, even though i'm still watching it and will continue to watch it but now it's all about season three of picard i want to see the enterprise crew back together again for one last adventure yes all is forgiven give it to me now 
Yeah, I mean, it's it is weird to have that. Tra- I thought I saw that trailer. I was like, "What? What the fuck is going on?" I mean, it does feel yeah. like it does feel like they're suddenly it's fan service, belated fan service to address the fact that everyone doesn't like this this current season. But you know, although some people have said they do. Like, I remember, like, I got a lot of Twitter pushback after the first couple of episodes aired, saying, "This is great! It's brilliant! What are you talking about?" Uh, and but then maybe people <laughs> are enjoying it, you know, and, and actually they're enjoying the sort of the throwback factor. I don't know, but I just found it very derivative, and so I find it a bit frustrating that it's not, you know charting strange new worlds or new civilizations or boldly going where no one has gone before i don't know those feel like kind of core star trek tenets to me i don't know um but anyway so that's 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 what i've been watching wicked excellent great right <laughs> well let's move on now to this week's first guest will Poulter has been in everything from dope sick to black mirror underground railroad midsummer he was also in the fades back in 2011 if you remember that uh, and he'll be starring as adam warlock in guardians of the galaxy 3 but he's with us today to talk about why didn't they ask evans an adaptation of the agatha christie mystery uh, that sees will attempting to solve a murder the victim of which uttered that particular phrase with his dying breath uh, will spoke to boyd a little while ago and this is what happened uh, and Will Porter, welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. How's it going? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. A pl- absolute pleasure. I think I spoke to you a few years ago, if you remember. Um, I think it was for a mag- magazine called Man About Town. And um, yes, yeah, okay. yeah. And I think we mainly talked about trainers and a little bit about Arsenal because you're on Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds uh, that sounds about right. That's yeah. A, um, de- decent amount of my interviews go that way, actually. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So you must be delighted with Arsenal's current form. And by the way, the ho- my co-host who will be editing this, James, note to him, sorry for bringing up Arsenal, but I have to do it just to get out of the way. <laughs> um, no, I'm very happy to discuss Arsenal. Really happy. Uh, Project Arteta seems to be going really well at the moment. And the thing that I'm most proud of, I went, I went to the Emirates actually only the other day and I, I watched the 2-0 defeat against Liverpool. Yeah. And the thing that I'm most proud about actually I think is the spirit of the fans and the atmosphere at the Emirates, even in defeat, you know, um, and the connection between the fans and the players. And it's something that I think Arteta's cultivated and and the players have done a lot to kind of, um, I think, cultivate too. You know, they've, they've sort of drawn that out of, of fans watching and, and they've also stated, you know, game after game, how much it's sort of helped them. So um, it's nice to see that because it's going to make a big difference to us in the long run, I think. Hundred percent, yeah, definitely. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. On to the more the, the matter in hand. Um, I have to say, this is going. This is a, my hard hitting question about it. I, I've watched the whole thing. It's such a delight. I mean, it is my. I do love Agatha Christie. I do love kind of you know fun, frothy mystery, crime mysteries. Is, is this the kind of thing that you like as well? Is this a genre that appeals to you anyway? Do you know what? In all honesty, I, I'm 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 far from an expert on 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 it, um, and uh, haven't seen all of the kind of uh, classic murder mysteries. Um, that being said, this one um, really really kind of intrigued me from from the outset, and I fell in love with the character of Bobby and and the story as a whole. Um, uh, Agatha Christie is obviously so beloved and, and well-known worldwide. So it, it's kind of an honor to, to do an Agatha Christie, I feel like, particularly as a, a British actor. Um, but to have a chance to do it in this context with, you know, Hugh Laurie adapting the script and so many amazing actors involved, it was kind of a, a, a dream opportunity for me. Yeah, which is yeah, Hugh Laurie writing and directing um, the whole thing. I mean, I, I'm, mm. a huge, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, House is one of my favorite shows of all time, um, and everything. Yes. What was he like? What was he like directing you and um, as a presence, kind of commandeering the whole show? 
he was amazing, man. You know, it was kind of hard to believe that it was his first uh, time directing. Although, you know, I think with the experience that he's accumulated, maybe not so. Um, but uh, he was amazing. You know, he imbued the the script with so much kind of intelligent writing and and uh, so many wonderful comedic moments. And that was just kind of a reflection of his personality. He is super intelligent. He's very very funny. Um, and as a director, he was wonderful. You know, I think he was able to speak to Lucy and I in terms that we really appreciated because he knew as an actor kind of, you know, what, what really worked and what didn't. And um, so we were really grateful for that. And we had, you know, a lot of long form discussions that went, you know, deep into the details of our character and the story beforehand. And then when we were on set, you know, we were able to kind of talk in shorthand and, and just kind of, you know, fine tune things and make slight adjustments. But Hugh was there for, every possible question we might have. And um, yeah, loved working with him. And Lucy, you mentioned Lucy Boynton, who is kind of like your partner in crime in the, in, in the yeah. show, who, the two of you. What I love about that, it's one of the, Agatha, every now and then, Agatha Christie writes a, a murder mystery in which there's no detective. And it's all about, and this is a classic example with the two of you, you know, you're, you're opening a, you, you're caddy, you play organ for your, your dad's church, you want to start a mm. new car business, but you're not a detective. And Lucy is this lovely, posh, you know, woman uh, who neither, no, so that, that, that must have been a joy, the two of you together kind of working on that, those roles. <laughs> Yeah, it's really interesting. You've got two characters from kind of different sides of the tracks, you know, or, or two characters who, you know, just being blunt about it, you know, belong to kind of different socioeconomic groups in a, in a time when I think those class divides were even more severe. And really this murder mystery and they're coming together over it kind of forces them, I think, to confront those boundaries and, and eventually erodes at them and, and just brings them together which is a really lovely thing about the story and something we discussed in depth. And that there's a quite kind of combustible moment. I don't know, actually, honestly, if it's in episode two or three, but it's my favorite moment in the series where the two of them kind of have that discussion and confront the elephant in the room about the fact that society, you know, wouldn't really put them together and, you know, people are, are going to talk and, um, you know, is there even a potential future to explore there um, based on, on, on said kind of boundaries? And it's one of my favorite, you know, moments in the whole, in the whole series. Um, but, but as you say, neither are detectives and, and the kind of circumstances that have draw the inner detectives out of them, which is really interesting. Yeah. There's quite a lot of funny stuff about how, how, how you're particularly are accused of not really know understanding what's going on and not really knowing kind of blundering from one thing to the next, but in the end you do kind of, solve it without wanting to spoil it in any way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think Lucy's character, Frankie, kind of draws the best out of Bobby, you know. Um, I think she is a step ahead. She is that bit sharper. Um, you know, she is kind of the mastermind of the plans and, and she sort of draws the best out of Bobby, um, you know, because he is, for as busy as he is and for as many things as he's kind of got going on, um, I think none of them feel like kind of legitimate careers or, or feel like they have kind of um, all that much sort of, um, uh, all that much of a future to them, you know, and, and in sort of partnering with Frankie, you know, they kind of, without giving sort of anything too much away, they sort of, find a real sense of purpose and, 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 and form kind of a legitimate sort of organization. He's, he's really, he's a lovely, sweet guy, isn't he? I mean, is it, you know, is it sometimes, you know, do you, do you have to find the kind of how to find the, the really interesting element of that or is it all because but he is kind of funny and sweet, but he's definitely, he's definitely a good guy, isn't he? 
Yeah, he is. Yeah, I really admired him. You know, it's always nice when you play a character who you kind of feel like you can sort of aspire to be more like, you know, um, he's full of integrity. He's, he's a very kind of honorable person. He, he goes out of his way to help others. I think he has an instinct for caring for people. Um, and, you know, I really admired that about him. I also really admired how conscientious he was, you know, like, like you mentioned, you know, he's playing the church organ, he's caddying, he's fixing cars, he's roofing, he's picking fruit, you know, he's, he's, he couldn't be really working much harder. And yet still, and what's brilliant about, I think, Hugh's writing and what he created is that you still get this sense that, well, here's a guy who's doing all of these things and is kind of spreading himself quite thinly, but at the same time, not really progressing in life. And I think, funnily enough, it's the it's the murder mystery um, and, and that loss um, that really kind of, you know, spurs him into action. And, and Frankie is a huge catalyst in, in that. Um, and she's, she's Lucy Boynton is brilliant. How do you, you know, the two of you together, there, there's the scene you mentioned where, you know, she kind of thinks you're accusing her of being a snob that, that she wouldn't have. Mm. Her and then there's another there's a brilliant scene where she's kind of getting a bit annoyed that you're talking about this attractive woman that you're, you're kind of dealing with. And you're getting annoyed with her for dealing with the attractive man that she's dealing with. And you have, yes. that's, it's like a kind of almost no coward type little, little battle of wits yeah. between the two of you. Yeah. Was that chemistry there from the start, but between the two of you? I, I, I've been a I've been a fan of Lucy uh, ever since I saw Sing Street. You know, obviously she's a really experienced actor. She's been doing this for a long time since she was a kid. You know, and and she's kind of quickly becoming one of my favorite actors of our generation. I think she goes from you know great project to great project, and she's kind of got a similar work ethic to Bobby Jones. Actually, she just uh, she doesn't seem to stop, um, and couldn't have been uh, like a better partner in crime or collaborator. She was so collaborative and 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 you know she she works so hard and pays you know uh exceptional uh attention to to every detail and you can't really ask for more than that and yeah that scene was really fun you know um i think uh we had fun with that scene and 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 it was one of hugh's favorites too you know it's quite it's quite long and it mm. sort of goes back and forth quite a lot it's a bit of a, a ping pong match but um, a really, really fun one to to shoot. And and I think emblematic of what is interesting about Evans, you know, even when the stakes are high and, you know, it's very tense and people's lives are on the line, there's also opportunity for for humour. And, you know, we're having that conversation in the kind of the the lion's den, you know, at that at that point as well. Um, so it was it was a it was a fun setting for it. Yeah, I was going to ask about the tone because it's interesting because there are really dark moments. There are some, you know, really horrible kind of deaths, let's face it, in, in, mm-hmm. in the story. Mm-hmm. And yet you'll go mm-hmm. from that to next, almost the next second with, in Hugh's script, the direction, a really light little funny moment. I mean, he just kind of doesn't even deal with it. He just kind of goes from one to the other. What did you, what did you make of that tone or the way that he, he kind of hops between the tones? I really loved it. He, you know, on the page, it reads really uh, effortlessly. Um, and, and, and also, you know, believable too, you know, I think life is kind of, you know, um, uh, sort of moments of, of light and shade, isn't it? And so, um, it's kind of just a reflection of reality in that respect. And, uh, I, it made it really fun for us as actors and hopefully it makes it fun for, for viewers too, to be able to get, you know, a bit of both. It's kind of salty and sweet. I mean, you talked about the cast. You've got, you know, Jim Broadbent, Emma Thompson. They have a little, little, which you're, a little cameo, which you're kind of on the edge of. Did you actually get to work with them in that scene? Do you know what's really fun is because I'm kind of on the edge of it. I sort of 
was able to kind of, I sort of felt like I got like a front row seat to one of like the best shows happening that year. You know, it was, uh, it was great. Um, and I was sort of, you know, I'm telling people that I was, you know, fully in a scene with Emma Thompson and Jim Broadbent. I'm shouting it from the rooftop and Patrick Barlow, but, um, you know, it was fun to just kind of watch Lucy, observe Lucy in that scene as well. She also does an amazing job of just kind of, I think not having the, you know, that the starry eyed factor affect her. Like you totally yeah. believe that that's her mum and dad in that scene, you know, oh, yeah. um, which I also like loved loved watching um you know and i felt that way about a lot of people that we we worked with you know alistair petrie plays my dad was just wonderful um and 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 you know is such a great is such a great actor um you know working with paul whitehouse was a oh, dream come true you know love comedy it. legends totally. yeah i can I barely hold that, it together yeah that he's you know he's playing a bit on his fishing show as well isn't he there's lots of kind of fishing references yeah. on that <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and he's you know he's the pub landlord of the angler's arms you know yeah. and Brilliant. He had everyone cracking up. I couldn't wait for Cut to get called because as much fun as I was having, I needed to laugh, you know, in mm. most of those scenes. Yeah. So Paul's yeah, great. But did you go back and read the book? Did you or did you just did you take it all from the script? I didn't actually. I read I read the I read I read the script and uh, under Hugh's instruction, I didn't go and read the book because he said, because I don't want you asking me why this bit isn't in it. That's <laughs> right. what I think he wrote in the page of, a, of the book that he gave me, but yeah. I subsequently read the book. Um, and, uh, you know, I can see um, why it is so beloved. It's probably one of the lesser known Agatha Christie's, mm. but whenever you're talking about Agatha Christie's and you're talking about lesser known Agatha Christie's, you're still talking about millions of copies sold and probably it being translated, you know, uh, close to 50 times. Um, so, yeah, but I'm very glad that this one ends up on screen because I think it's one of the most exciting ones. Oh, definitely. Yeah. hundred yeah. um, percent. I want to mention Dope Sick, which, um, which you were in uh, um, earlier this year, which I think turned out to be one of the best dramas of the year so far. I think it's oh, thanks, powerful. Man. Did you, when you, when you were making that, do you, were you aware of how, how it is def- that is a kind of special piece of um, filmmaking that obviously ends up on TV? Yeah, I, I, I think we really hoped so. You know, I think that was certainly the ambition for it. I think that the, the subject matter was so important and the epidemic was so devastating and continues to be so devastating that we we really wanted to do justice to the the you know the real life events that had kind of informed the script and um there was a genuine you know hope when we were on set that we would we would deliver at the highest level just so we'd get as many eyes on it as possible. And I think that's what, that's what the award attention, that's, that's the true benefit of the awards attention, to be honest with you, is not, you know, the shininess of the statues. It's that more people talk about it for longer. It's in the public consciousness and people see, Oh, Michael Keaton just got nominated for his performance in Dope Sick. I should check out Dope Sick. And, yeah. and, you know, subsequently they, they learn about what's going on. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a, that was, that was definitely a goal of ours. And I'm, I'm, couldn't be prouder to be involved with that that group of people. And what, did you know much about the whole, you know, prescription drugs situation in America and, and what devastating effect it had on that? It was, it was, uh, it was genuinely on my radar. Um, and I was actually actively looking for something that commented on the opioid epidemic, but I had absolutely no idea about the extent of its, you know, effects. 
um, or, or just how um, I think kind of purpose-filled and sort of engineered the effort had been from, from one company to introduce this drug to market, you know, against kind of all of the, um, the, the, the legal sort of restrictions that were in place at that time. Um, I didn't realize that, you know, sort of greed had, had motivated this, this pandemic. Um, and that was a really shocking discovery, you know, um, vaguely aware of, you know, how many people have been uh, affected, but, but not just kind of a uh, house of sinister, the, the manufacturing of this epidemic had been. Um, and finally, um, I have to ask you about the Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Have you finished filming that? And I haven't finished. No, okay. I, I go back to Atlanta in a couple of days to finish okay. it. Um, and I'm about three quarters of the way through and uh, I'm really enjoying it, having a blast at the moment. Um, really nice to be able to kind of promote Evans sort of um, in between and during my downtime. But um, but yeah, still on Guardians and and and, and having, having a lot of fun. You're enjoying being in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I am, I am very much so, yeah. And uh, yeah, I feel very lucky to be there. Thank you so much, Will. It's been a, it's been a joy. Oh, I loved it. Thank you. Yeah, and up the Arsenal. Up the Arsenal. Cheers, Matt. Thanks. Okay, that was Will Poulter. We're not going to have a listen to question this week because we have a lot to get through, and you know Beth has sunbeds to lie on. So, uh, <laughs> so, 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 shall we move on to this week's news? We've covered the main news, which is of course. Terry, we've covered the second biggest news, which is, of course, Picard season three. And what, what does that leave us with, Boyd, except to say that there was another Star Trek trailer, the Strange New Worlds trailer, in which we saw Rebecca Romaine uh, and Ethan Peck and Anson Mount as the Enterprise crew for that new show. I must admit, it was a great trailer. Did you watch it? No. Excellent. <laughs> Sorry. Excellent. This is going to be a brilliant discussion. Uh, <laughs> it was good. It was really good. It was a really exciting, very interesting trailer. Uh, I very much want to see it. Um, I, I still have reservations because it's going to be an episodic show. That obviously doesn't yeah. sit brilliantly with but, but I'm going to watch it and I'm excited about it. Very excited about it. So, change new worlds. But you haven't seen it, so let's Sorry, move on. I, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I mean, we're talking about Apple not having many shows coming out. I swear all the big casting news this week has been for Apple TV Plus shows. Like, uh, Harrison Ford is going to be in an Apple TV sh- Plus show. It's a mouthful to say, isn't it? Nimi Rapace is going to be in an Apple TV Plus show. And then I swear, like, another, at least another, like, two have been announced Hiddles, in the week. Tom Hiddleston. Hiddles. Yeah. Back He's going to be in the white darkness for Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Um, Fun fun update, Tom is actually going to be in our upcoming issue of Empire Magazine, speaking with John Nugent about Ooh. the Essex Serpent, which is yes, coming out on Apple TV+. Plus. Yes, he is. Um, as is another person who's in the news uh, this week, Natasha Leone, will be in our upcoming issue, talking Ooh. about Russian Doll, Ooh. season two. There was a new trailer for that this week. Um, oh, and also, Bill Hader in the upcoming issue. <laughs> Of Excellent. Empire Magazine. Uh, there was a trailer for Barry season three out this week. But yeah, just that's my plug down. Okay, just good, to say, good. we've got a wicked, wicked issue coming up. Elizabeth Moss is also in it as well. I think you're fine. Yeah, she's not in. She's not in your issue. section. She's not in your section, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Boyd interviews Elizabeth Moss in the new issue of Empire. <laughs> yeah, I think we can say yeah. yes. It is such a delightful interview as well. It's oh, I love it so much. Yeah, yeah, she's <laughs> so phenomenal. Much. We should also say that um, that 
Uh, so I should have said this before when I'm banging on about Severance, but it's been renewed for a second season as well. Yes. Um, on uh, Apple TV Plus. On Apple TV Plus. <laughs> Do you know Plus. what I mean? I think yeah. they're, really, yeah. they're really getting into this right now. Have they taken to heart our comments about them not having that many things on there? <laughs> they probably did, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, they've bloody stepped it up, haven't they? they you know, to give them credit. Yeah. Well, they really considering have. they won an Oscar <laughs> yes. the other week, um, they're probably probably rolling on a high and are like, okay, let's let's put everything out now. Let's just... Yeah, yeah it's true. That. Right. What else has been happening? Um, have you ever, have either of you read Anansi Boys? No. no. <laughs> this is Neil Gaiman's thing. So Whoopi Goldberg yeah. has been cast as Bird Woman, who is the villain. I think. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'll be fun. That would be I fun. Don't. I have not read it. I don't know an awful lot about it. But there was a lot of excitement. Uh, I've not read it, so I can't tell you anything about it. But apparently, it's very good, and Whoopi Goldberg is playing Bird Woman. Uh, what else have we got? What else have we got? Bob Odenkirk has a new series, Straight Man. It's going to be coming up. Uh, that's on AMC, which seems to be his spiritual home, so that makes a certain amount of sense. This is based on a novel by Richard Russo, and he's going to be playing William Henry Devereux Jr., who is the unlikely chairman of the English department in a badly underfunded college. Mm. Um, the Sky announced the return of a return date for the flight attendant. Season two, it will arrive twenty uh, sixth of May on Sky Max now. And just a reminder, right? That since it's obviously the Katie Cuoco um, thing, where if you haven't seen season one, I don't spoil what ha- what's happened to her. But she's got a whole new thing to look into in season two. But the cast, the guest stars, listen to this. Fuck, have, have I done? I don't know. I might not have done this already, but they've all been confirmed. These these guest stars include Cheryl Hines from Curb, May Martin from Feel Good, Margaret Cho. Sharon fucking Stone and Shore Agadashlu, your favourite, from the That's fucking right. expanse. Christian Avasarala. <laughs> that is a good lineup of guest stars. And they released a trailer this week which Sharon Stone um, pops up in, and in which Kaylee Quaker seems to have about four different personae, if or personas, if that's plural. So yeah, I think the flight attendant was great. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to the second season. Uh, Sherlock Holmes looks like it's going to be finding home on oh, a small yeah. screen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. This is the Guy Ritchie uh, Sherlock Holmes movies, but there's currently uh, two TV series potentially in the works involving Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, Sherlock. So it's, I mean, it's we've been weird. waiting for a third of those films to come to the screen for a long time. So I guess mm. it's looking like that may now not happen. Because we had Sherlock in, God, when was it, 2009? And then Game of Shadows, which would have been few years later 2011 um and now obviously we're getting the small screen treatment which actually could work very well like maybe it will fill the sherlock shaped hole in all our lives since the bbc version went off the air who knows but i like these films i thought they were fun they were fun um although it's interesting interesting that uh, mark gatiss and stephen moffat the co-creators of sherlock um the the absolutely classic series that was one of my favorites of all time said this week i think they were at the radio times um, covers party which is this thing they do every year and they were asked about um, whether Sherlock would ever come back and they were like we'd love to do it we'd jump we'd do it any time if you, if you say please can we have another episode of Sherlock they're there it's just the fact that Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman are quite busy yeah both of them have an incredible um, having had an incredible career I mean they're already doing pretty well but yeah I mean they're very very busy but I still think there will be more Sherlock I think one day I think 
everyone's going to get together. The BBC is going to go, can we just have a, like an episode of Sherlock for like Christmas, you know, 2025 or 26 <laughs> or something? And they'll go, and Moffat and Gates will come up with a brilliant idea and they'll put it to Freeman and Cumberbatch. And they'll, have, they'll find a little, just a little month or something to film it and it will be <laughs> lovely and it'll be brilliant. I hope so. I very much hope so. Any other news? Do we want to talk about Channel 4? We should talk about Channel 4. Channel 4, which it's, it turns out a lot of people don't actually realise Channel 4 is, is publicly owned, if not publicly funded. Uh, but it is looking to be privatised. They are looking to sell it off, which of course has absolutely nothing to do with its news coverage whatsoever. You know, which has been very sad. Like we talked about this a lot on the Empire podcast about uh, about Film 4 and all the amazing films that have come out of the Film 4 stable. Um and how, you know, this would be very, very sad. It is sad. I used to work for Film 4 um, during a real, like, heyday where they were putting out, like, Carol and The Lobster and just champion... I mean, they championed, like, Steve McQueen from his first kind of early films. So from that perspective, it's it's shit. And then from, like... Also, there's this very muddled... I mean, it's so transparent, isn't it, what this, what this purchase has been, but, like... <laughs> saying about how they they want to be you know up there with netflix and prime and then you go on netflix and the banner is dairy cups <laughs> which is of course the channel for show um and you think about how well things like staff that's flats is done in america even though they don't understand what the fucking title of the show is but that's done really well in um in america on hbo max and you know, this brilliant original content that has found its own feet and done incredible things, and and it it just feels like a load of bullshit, doesn't it? Well, it's Sorry. a sin. I mean, it's a sin. You know, <laughs> it's a sin alone. Yeah. Um, I think the the really annoying. I mean, everything about it is fucking annoying. The really mm. annoying thing is, you were saying a lot of people don't real. A lot of people don't realise because the Tories are, are just deliberately misleading people. I saw a Tory MP tweeting this week how, you know, it's about time they stop getting public funding. They don't, not one penny of the public finances do they get. It's ad-funded, Channel 4. It's it's a, it's a it's a public service broadcaster that is owned by the government, but it's not paid for by the taxpayer. And it actually, it's a model that's worked brilliantly and is still working brilliantly. You could even say, I saw one, another idiot, like tweeting, you know, a section of their schedule from Tuesday night when they have Bake Off, you know, and going, oh, you know, in some a reality show after Simpler Life, going, you know, what about this is shit, isn't it? Like you could take, you could take it wasn't an me. evening of any channel, wasn't you? You <laughs> could take huge. an evening of any channel and go, this is a bit shit, you know. There's loads of shit yeah. on Netflix and Amazon Prime. We, we you know, is it cake? Is it cake? <laughs> the idea that this that Channel Four needs to compete with Netflix, and by the way, of course, they do do loads of co-productions anyway with the streamers. That just happens all the time anyway. Mm. Um, it's it's just moronic, and oh my god, this whole thing is just petty bullshit vandalism, as you say. Because it all goes back to I was at the Edinburgh TV Festival when the then head of Channel Four News made an incredibly powerful speech attacking the government for not taking part in televisual. TV debates, etc. Particularly Boris Johnson, she went at Boris Johnson quite viciously, and I honestly I think it goes back to that. They just can't take a bit of fucking criticism. And Channel Four News, in particular, is a very independent-minded. It does not, you know, it's much. I think it's much more radical, radically looking at the real state of things, possibly, you know, than BBC or ITV News does. Anyway. I, it makes me so angry. I'm furious. And Nadine Doris, who's trying to push it through, is the worst. She, I mean, I know yeah. like, it's a big, it's a big field, but she is at the very top of that list. Okay, that was a party political broadcast from Boyd Hilton. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, right. Okay. Uh, I will just leave news. 
with one final story, and that is we received our first on-set photo of The Witcher Season 3. And in addition to that, in addition to that, we received the official synopsis. Oh, it is nice. As monarchs, mages, and beasts of the continent compete to capture her, Geralt takes Siri. That's a dangling modifier. Uh, Geralt takes Siri of Sinsa into hiding, determined to protect his newly reunited family against those who threaten to destroy it. Entrusted with Siri's magical training, Yennefer leads them to the protected fortress of Aratusa, where she hopes to discover more about the girl's untapped powers. Instead, they discover they're landed in a battlefield of political corruption, dark magic, and treachery they must fight back put everything on the line or risk losing each other forever tell me you're not excited to see this looking back the sea just meeting the sky out there right okay that was news uh time now then for this week's second guest social monica jackson starred in harlan coben's the five and will be in dc's upcoming movie the flash but she is of course best known uh as the heart and soul of lisa mcgee's dairy girls erin quinn uh erin returns along with orla james claire and michelle for the show's final series this week and our very own sophie butcher sat down for a chat with her about going out in style I'm delighted to welcome to the Pilot TV podcast one of the stars of the wonderful Derry Girls, Saoirse Monica Jackson. How are you doing today, Saoirse? I'm great, I'm great. I'm looking forward to the screening on Thursday. So, yeah, just um, just getting ready for it and really looking forward to seeing the first of the series. Oh, fantastic. Where's the screening at? Is it in Ireland? Is it in, over in London? Or? Yeah, we're having it in Derry. Yeah, which is amazing. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. It should be a great night. Oh, fantastic. That'll be so much fun. I've got a quick little starter question for you. So one of the hosts of the, the podcast, Boyd Hilton, he works for Heat Magazine, um, who have collaborated with you guys in Channel 4 to bring back the iconic Smash Hits magazine for a very special issue dedicated to Derry Girls. Um, I was wondering, do you remember Smash Hits? Did you read it back in the day? If not, what magazines do you remember reading as a teen? Oh, I love Smash Hits and it was so <laughs> nostalgic. It was obviously so nostalgic and it's so um, crazy to see our faces sort of on the front of it. And it's amazing that they've sort of recreated it. It feels like the perfect fit for Dairy Gears. But yeah, I love Smash Hits. That was sort of like, I think, a child from the 90s or from that time, you know, going to get magazines after school on a Friday, like Smash Hits or Ms. Mag and, mm. and things like that. Fantastic. So it feels a bit surreal being on the front of one now, on yeah. the, in the pull-out poster in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the popularity of Derry Girls has just grown and grown. Um, compared to the first season, coming into this third one must have been quite different. Um, how Did you get? Did you feel that sense of excitement for audi- from audiences for this third series? And did it add a sense of pressure going into shooting it? I think, um, I think we were all as excited as the audience, you know, to get back and to do it and um, sort of anticipate participating in this third series and I think it just sort of gives you more one beneath your wings doesn't it they sort of put your all on it um I think we're very lucky as a cast that we always know that our scripts are so strong and they're weighted with so much brilliant comedy and um lovely heartfelt moments on them and we just knew that Lisa was going to put her all into this third series so I think that sort of takes the pressure off as an actor of you know, the worry of what if it's not going to be as good because we always know that Lisa's going to pull something even bigger and better out of the bag each time and especially for her third and final series. I think we all knew she was going to, you know, wrap it up with something really, really special. So that sort of takes the pressure off. I think it was more excitement just to get back to doing it. I think when you're sat as an actor for a long period of time waiting to play a role again, 
um, it builds sort of like this, um, yeah, this just real want to do it. It was sort of bubbling there, you know, all through COVID when it kept getting pushed and you sort of fantasize about what the scripts are going to be or try and like imagine in your head what Lisa's going to write. And of course, it's it's never next, it's never near as good as what it actually is. Yeah, because I believe um, this third series was due to shoot in May 2020 originally before mm-hmm. the pandemic kicked in, obviously, and it was obviously pushed back. Um, so, yeah, how did that impact it for you? Did it make it a bit more poignant to to return to the characters after all that time and those delays and, and obviously such a incredible time that the whole world was going through? Did it make it even more poignant? It really did. And I think all of us have such ownership over this show. And I think that um, from Lisa's point of view, she didn't want the scripts to be sort of compromised in any way with having not, uh, you know, not been able to have as many extras in it. And I always feel like Derry as a study is its own character on the show. And it's it's such a vibrant place where people, you know, it's got such familiarity because there's so many people knocking about. And I think that it's great that we didn't lose that real sense of the gorgeous dairy and everybody else involved in it and having to compromise that and not have full numbers. So I'm glad that we waited until now, to be honest. Um, obviously, I was busting to get back to it, but um, <laughs> I think that the series that we've had because of the decisions that were made... Um, have made such an impact and it's the show that it was meant to be you know yeah absolutely um and in the first episode um the girls and james are waiting to get their gcse results which really took me back um to that day in my (laughs) life (laughs) gcse results a level results um did filming it did it take you back to receiving yours can you remember that day the nerves the excitement yeah I can, I can. And I remember as well, just to think the weight of your GCSEs is so much bigger than your A-levels, isn't it? Because I think by the time you get to your A-levels, you've already went through it. And I think there's something to be said for going to an old girls' school. I went to an old girls' school and I remember this like fierce competition, this like competitiveness between between gears when it came to education of wanting to be the smartest that I think is so healthy so I definitely recognize that with on Aaron and it brought those memories back you know I've been devastated if you hadn't done the best by yourself but also knowing that you could have put more work on that you're preoccupied with other ideas. (laughs) There's a really amazing cameo in the first episode I'm not going to say who it is even what role they play we're not going to give anything away um but without any specifics can you just talk about what it was like to to film that scene with that amazing cameo oh my god honestly it was it was probably one of the best experiences of my life and i think that (laughs) the person in question just has such huge presence um Mm. and like obviously massive star quality and someone that i've always looked up to um, because they're from the same place as me. So the opportunity to work with them, um, to already work with them. Sorry, I feel like I'm giving too much away. No, no you're good. You're good. Amazing and so generous and just, yeah, just such a funny, mad, surreal experience. Um, yeah, that was that was definitely a surreal day. Yeah, I think audiences are going to go crazy when they see that, when they see that cameo. Yeah. Um, and you guys are just such a believable group of friends. Like even from the first moment we meet you, like the dynamics just so perfect. How did you guys find that chemistry? Like even to begin with, did you know each other beforehand? Um, does it come more easily now that you've known each other for so long, um, getting that sort of chemistry on screen? I think... Um... I think that it was so important, you know, during casting for the first series that the chemistry was right. And 
I think it really is in the writing, you know, the dynamic between the friends. And you can see it's so clear in the writing why each one of them, even though they're an unlikely friend um, group, in a way you can see the the personal relationships um, between each one of them and those relationships that exist sort of outside the gang. So a lot of that was on the writing. And I think that, you know, it really boils down to like, I definitely know why. I think that they're all amazing actors. So when I get to work with them, um, there's just so much that can be put on the table and um, we all want the best of the show. So it just allows sort of that freeness and that silliness of supporting each other's best work. And um, it's definitely a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it seems fun when we're watching it. So it must be fun to film. Um, yeah. And there's some just throughout the series has been just incredible set pieces where um, the gang get into these sticky situations and things seem to go from bad to worse. I'm thinking the detention scene in the first episode, I'm thinking the fire in the flat above the chip shop, which is just so hilarious. Um, Flushing the scones down the toilet. What are those big comedic scenes like to film? Are they as fun as they seem? And do you have a favorite kind of scene like that from the show? I think I, those things are so funny to film because we're all coming at it from a state of panic and they're all such different <laughs> characters that it's so funny how they react. And I just think that panic as a teenager is so funny when you're trying to like problem solve and they always get it wrong. Um, <laughs> so those ones are those ones are always so, so funny. I remember when we were filming the, the first series um, when the chip shop goes on fire, we actually all done panic so much and we were like banging onto each other and stuff and it felt actually really real. <laughs> um, so those memories, those those moments when we actually are in a state of panic are just so funny for the day years because we just get everything completely wrong all the time. But they're trying their best, which I love. They are. They're always trying their best. They're always trying to get out yeah. of situations. <laughs> just doesn't go to plan. Um, and part of what I think makes the show so special is like the specificity of it. Um, and like the family life, the friend dynamics, um, stuff like calculating how many bags of chips you need, Erin's um, mum refusing to put half a load of washing in. Um, I know you're from Derry as well yourself. You're a real life Derry girl. So um, are there any elements of that that you can pick out that feel especially relatable to you? I know it's a different sort of time period to maybe when you were that age, but how do those bits of the show make you feel? Is there anything that really stands out in terms of that for you? I think though it's, so, it's so specific, it's weird because it's so universal, all those things that Lisa has done. And I think that it just, it really comes from the best place. It's like, it comes from a place of love, doesn't it? When she writes those sort of memoirs to all the people that she loved around her. But I think what's, what rings most true to me is this familiarity of everybody. You know, how familiar um, Michelle is with like Aaron's parents and family when she walks under her house that she can just like sit down and help herself to food or like, mm. you know, there really is a sense of that when you're in dairy that like when you're growing up, you're sort of like everybody's waiting and everybody's looking after you um, and sort of like the town is raising you together without sounding without too cheesy. But it really does feel like that and your parents are on cahoots to catch you out. Um, <laughs> so I think that that, I think that that really rings true to me and it's definitely so similar to my upbringing sort of as a teenager. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and obviously this is the final season, which we're all so sad about. Um, how does it feel to say goodbye to these characters? Like knowing the incredible success the show's had, um, what were the final days like on set? Was it quite emotional for you all? I think it was. I really, well, it definitely was. Um, I think that we've really had a brilliant series and um, we're all very, I don't know if you'll ever be satisfied, but all very happy. We, 
you know, the scripts and what how we got to round off those characters in that sort of format of a series. But I don't think I'll ever say goodbye to Erin Conn. Like, I don't think Foley will ever say goodbye to Erin. Um, she really has became part of me and, you know, she changed my life in a lot of ways. So um, I don't think I'll ever fully say goodbye to Erin. <laughs> and do you think our audience is going to be happy with this finale? Are you guys happy with it? Oh, my God. Yeah, audiences, I think, are going to... I don't think I, I think that audiences are going to love it. I think Lisa's really out on herself and it's huge and it's epic and it's not all the dairy gears usual madness, but I feel like it's just so much more this series and the years, you know, are really met with these decisions and they're growing up and a lot more is happening to them and they're sort of figuring out who they are um, and what they want to do with the rest of their lives and sort of what that means. So yeah, I think that the audiences are going to love it. It's just amazing and the crew and Lisa and Mike and stuff have just done such a brilliant job on it. One last thing I wanted to ask you about was um, it's really exciting that next year we're going to see you in The Flash, um, big DC movie. Um, I'm guessing shooting a big comic book film is a very different experience to shooting a show like Derry Girls. Um, is there anything you can tell <laughs> us about that, about your character or about just the experience of making it? I can't talk specifically about my character because... Um, and we all know what DC's like and they love to keep those <laughs> secrets um, until the last music, until the last minute and I'm definitely not getting on the wrong side of DC. <laughs> That's fine. Um, <laughs> but it was the most amazing experience and, you know, I think I'll still always be a dairy girl but it's so incredible to be sort of on those sets and working with those people and it's definitely a new adventure that I'm really excited about but I'm grateful that I had the experience of dairy girls and, I sort of feel like I've been brought up on that show, you know, and it gave me so many skills as an actor and so many tools that I've, I'll be able to take with me to every job. And um, yeah, it was amazing. The Flash was an amazing experience. And I can't wait for it to come out. I can't wait. Fantastic. Saoirse Monica Jackson, thank you so much for joining us. Um, good luck with the show and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was lovely talking to you. Have a lovely day. Right, let's go straight now into reviews. And first up this week, we have Raw, which Alison Brie talked about last week and sees her and a group of other excellent actors like Nicole Kidman and Cynthia Erivo telling female-centric stories in different episodes that aim to get to the very heart of what it means to be a woman. There can only be one person. Tell us about this one then. Boyd, tell us about the female experience. <laughs> you, you, Bellin. Um Well... I know you're only coming to me because uh, Beth did the interview and, you know, that, we have this weird rule that the other person gets to lead the review. I don't know why. No, I'm curious. Let's hear this. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Um, first of all, so it is, it is an anthology series based on a short story collection by the great Cecilia Hearn who, Hearn, who I love generally. She's a fantastic figure. So they are individual stories. So I haven't watched, there are eight of them and I haven't watched, I've watched two. So I've watched the Nicole Kidman one in which she plays, she's with her uh, mother, Judy Davis, who's kind of um, having memory issues and, you know, is possibly having de got dementia, etc. And Nicole Kidman's tried to deal with that. She goes on a trip, a road trip with her, if you like. And she also has the whole, the whole kind. All of these stories seem to have, I don't know, Beth will know better more than me, but they seem to have a kind of fantastical element, like a, a kind of um, interesting, intriguing, uh, philosophical slash... Um, magic realism almost element so in this one it's that Nicole Kidman's character literally eats photographs so she looks she, she looks through um, 
photos of her past when she was a kid. And when she consumes, physically consumes these photos, she's magically taken back into that the world of her past. She has these actual flashbacks that are initiated by. It. So that's a very interesting, it was a very interesting device. Um, and I, I mean, to get, I mean, just to get Nicole Kidman and Judy Davis, who's a fucking legend, in into one show, um, beautifully filmed, um, by the way, in in somewhere, I guess in Australia somewhere. Um, and that that's that, I thought it was fascinating. At first, I thought it was a bit, um, I don't know, a bit kind of clumsy in a way, a bit clunky. But actually, the more it wore on, it's about forty minutes long. The more moved I was by it, and the final scene where she kind of arrives, the mother, Judy Davis, arrives with the fa- at the family home with the sons. There's a teenage son that's about to go off to college and a little boy as well. I thought it was really sweet and moving and quite quite kind of profound. So I like that one. And then the other one I watched um, was was the Issa Rae one, Issa Rae from Insecure, where she plays an author who's a, ri- a successful author who's arriving in Hollywood to see it, to get her uh, book adapted and to do a deal with it. And she kind of, she's put up in this massive Hollywood mansion, uh, you know, and, and this kind of spectacular setting. And she kind of has to deal with the fact that all these dudes she has to deal with in this Hollywood studio are absolute massive bellends and at the same time she slowly it, it kind of slowly becomes clear that as as she, the, the photo they take of her the security photo they take of her when she arrives in this huge big uh, huge big corporate office doesn't quite doesn't come out and then it slowly becomes clear that she's literally disappearing and people don't can't see her in front of her and that's obviously quite I mean, it's quite an unsubtle analogy in a way and talk about me me a, a white man discussing a, a a story which is literally all about black women's representation of what it's like to have black female identity, even to the point where there's a whole bit where they're virtual, they, they turn her thing into a virtual reality thing so that white men could experience what it's like to suffer racism as a black woman, which is a brilliantly funny, extraordinary idea that also ends up being really powerful. So those two stories did it for me. They're both really interesting. Um, as I said, quite fantastical. I still think... Whenever I watch anthology shows, I, I always compare them to Inside Number Nine. New series coming soon, by the way. And I still think, like, when you watch Inside Number Nine, which are like, half-hour stories, uh, I think it's still the king of this type of show, and, the, and it's still like unimpeachably the best of this the, these shows. But these two that I watched were really fascinating, and I did enjoy them. Yeah, yeah. The um, so the big draw for me was uh, Liz Flahive and Carly Mensch, who of course created Glow, of which we were so viciously robbed of a final <laughs> yeah. season as you heard me talk about with Alison Brie in last week's um, episode but Alison is back and Betty Gilpin they're both back for this um, which just instantly drew me in to this because um, I love that show and I, I don't know give them a movie give them a movie anyway <laughs> So I watched the Alison Brie episode, um, which was, that one was fun and got to see her have a lot of fun with this. So she plays um, a woman who is murdered. <laughs> real fun, guys, real fun. She's murdered. <laughs> <laughs> She's discovered dead um, in, in kind of a like, uh, like a calling card kind of murder. And her ghost, uh, she plays her own ghost and she has to solve or she wants to solve the mystery of who murdered her with these two detectives one who is i've forgotten his name which is bad but one is the, one of the actors in glow um and then a very handsome sort of 
American detect all American detective type. Um, and so she kind of goes on this thing, and of course they're fucking useless and just sort of bumping into each other and and don't get along and have got all their own issues. And so she kind of takes it into her own hands to to solve the crime. Yeah, I would agree with you, boy. The, in the the metaphors are not subtle <laughs> at all, um, but and and the kind of conclusion is quite. It's it's like an anvil dropping on your head kind of thing in terms yeah. of like what they're saying, but the more nuanced stuff that kind of happens in between the metaphors are what I really like. So it's really interesting writing on on being a victim, being a female victim in this quite you know headline worthy murder, and that she can be a pretty woman who does contouring on a face, but it's still like is incredibly intelligent and, you know, not just to be written off as a victim, as someone's daughter, as someone's friend, as someone's, you know, she's a, she's a whole person that's been murdered and, and there's more to it than that. So that was really interesting. Uh, I also watched the, the Nicole Kidman one I found especially beautiful in terms of that kind oh. of intergenerational yeah. memory loss and, and what it means to come from different generations. I found really interesting. Um, and then I watched the Cynthia Erivo uh, episode, which took on more of a kind of horror form. So she's, oh, she's just trying to have it all like like the rest of us. But she's this um, high powered professional woman who's just given birth, had a very traumatic birth. Um, she's now got this baby and, a, and another a young daughter uh, and a lovely husband played by. Jay Johnson, who I will watch in absolutely anything, um, who's a really nice guy. Again, I, I really enjoy the kind of nuance of it all. He's not a dickhead. He's trying to do the best. She's trying to do her best. It's not going very well. And the more she tries to have it all and the more she tries to keep the plate spinning, she gets these really, really fucking gross bite marks on her skin, like really sore looking, gory bite marks that just get worse and worse. Um Again, not subtle. And I did think with that one, which I watched first, that did feel a little bit clunky, but it's still, I, I appreciate the nuance and the rest of the writing. Um, so I thought that was really good. But yeah, it was just nice to see those two working on something with the budget and the time mm. and the space that they deserve to tell those stories. Because um, yeah, I think they were, really, they were really dicked over. So that was that was a nice story behind the show being made as well that I really liked. Mm. Yeah, I watched the Nicole Kidman one, which I did. I think was I thought was a really interesting one. I was thrown by it because I wasn't expecting the. I don't want to use the word supernatural, but I guess it is the slightly odd device they used there with the photographs. Because I, I, you know, I just thought it would be like a compulsive thing, and then it's mm. this sense that when she eats, I mean, it's not like she's transported anywhere. You're, you're like, is it memory or is it something more visceral than this? Like it's, it's, it's deliberately left quite woolly, and mm. so the story is broadly about her living in memory because she's having an identity crisis as her father's died and her mother has dementia and kind of reaching the end of her life, and it's like she's losing her identity as a daughter, but her oldest son is kind of close to moving out, and she kind of feels like she's losing her identity as a mother as well and it's how she defines herself and obviously these these photographs and these memories kind of become a, a part of that but it's beautifully acted it's it's a it's a lovely little story as you say it's not the most <laughs> subtle thing in the world but actually and it's not trying to be like it's trying to make a point but it's doing it in quite a sort of powerful way um i thought it was good i don't like anthologies unfortunately so this isn't obviously one for me because i find them uh, frustrating in that regard the only one that was sli- like modern love i liked a lot really uh, i didn't watch all of it love. see i really liked it but i i didn't watch all of it because again you don't need to because it's an anthology but i picked out a number of those and a couple of those in particular i really really liked um but, the, but just uh, listen but, to the podcast the podcast 
Anyway. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> but again, like, I just don't feel compelled to press on with anthologies because there's no connective tissue. But that's mm. that's all about me. I Let's think not there's more, although, in- interesting, I-, I kind of agree with Beth. Modern Love did have like one or two really good, but Modern Love, every episode, as far as I'm aware, I think was a completely different creative team, wasn't it? And cast. Whereas yeah. this yeah. does have Liz, Liz and Carly, as you said. Mm. Mm. That has um, a unifying vision, if not well, a Well, yeah, they're showrunners yeah. and they've li- they literally yeah. wrote um, a half the half the season, if not more. So it's definitely got their vision behind it, which I think yeah. helps to have some kind of. That's why Inside Number Nine works so well because it's essentially it's still them, these two, you know, the two creators of that show. Yeah. Anyway, hmm. well, Raw then lands on Apple TV Plus on the fifteenth of April. Next up, we have Hard Sell, which sees Catherine Tate star alongside Catherine Tate and Catherine Tate and a comedy <laughs> about life behind bars. Uh, Beth, did this feel like doing 15 to 20 or were you let out for good behaviour? This felt like doing fucking life, James, is what it felt like. <laughs> this is... <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Carry on. <laughs> so I, I watched, watched this. Like I have motioned, like I will say as a caveat, I, I watched some of these shows in a hurry. That's not to say I skipped them at all, but I jumped in with that, knowing very little about them, which meant I didn't even look at the fucking thumbnail for this. And so I started it and it starts with promise. It does. Like it starts with Catherine Tate's, one, one of Catherine Tate's characters addressing this, um, this group of women in this prison are going to do a production of West Side Story. And she says something really interesting and in that she's like, you know, a lot of people make these judgments about women in prisons without actually having been to a, to a prison and making those judgments themselves. We're going to prove to them that, you know, creativity equals rehabilitation. We're going to, you know, we're going to really go for this. And I was like, this is interesting. I like this. I completely agree. Um, I think there's some really great creative initiatives out there that help women in prisons. Great. Cut to another scene and she's in a costume with like short hair playing a, a kind of doofus guy calling everyone boo. And I was like, oh, oh, I was actually livid. <laughs> I was so angry. <laughs> I just like, everything has added value here because my time could be so much better spent this week. But I was just like, you are, you are fucking kidding me. It is 2022. Yep. Why am I looking at this? Why am I looking at this fucking Little Britain type like sketch comedy when you could actually, actually be making something really interesting with like more nuanced comedy and you get more robust characters. I mean, look how fucking well they did it in Orange is the New Black. Look how advanced storytelling has come. There is a way to balance comedy and serious matter in interesting, intelligent ways. And then it just became punchline comedy instantly. The, I don't know. I don't even know who it's aimed at. Peter K fans? I don't fucking know. But it just, it felt like such a wasted opportunity and it really pissed me off. So, yeah. Well, I feel <laughs> well, I have nothing more to contribute to this. So. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a Peter K fan, so maybe it's uh, maybe it's aimed at me. Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, of course. Inevitably, of course I enjoyed you did. It. Of yeah. course you did. I think it's aimed at, I think it's aimed at, it is broad. It's a broad comedy. It's definitely. That's an understatement. Um, <laughs> 
but it's aimed at broad in terms of audience, but also in terms of, I guess, chronology, because it seems to be a show from the late 90s, early noughties yeah. that's somehow been transplanted to 2022. Anyway, as I was saying, it is broad. It's definitely unashamedly <laughs> old-fashioned in that sense. I think and who, Catherine Tate fans, I mean, there are, don't forget, Catherine yeah. Tate is a massive, was a massive phenomenon. Um, unfortunately, the Nan movie, I think, has the, the you know, which which basically, I, I believe, the director took a name off it and, you know, um, ended up being delayed, released by like two years. The story of the Nan movie is a disaster, um, but I don't think, I, my, my, I was like dreading it because I was thinking, oh my God, has Catherine Tate completely lost it, you know, because I was a fan of her show, of her sketch shows. And her characters, and I think this is—I think this is what she does best. I think her playing all these different characters. I think she does. A, I think she's a great performer, a great actor, and um, I really enjoyed a lot of elements. The, the bringing Cheryl Ferguson in, in, who the EastEnders star Cheryl Ferguson, who plays herself, to direct the um, the prisoners in the production of West Side Story, I found really funny. And I actually watched, carried on watching. I watched like half the series, and it is. And and the more you see of that particular that storyline of the of the Amdram production of West Side Story featuring the prisoners, directed by Shel Ferguson, it's really. I found it really funny. That's all I have to say. And Christian Brassington, who plays like Catherine Tate as the warden, as the chief, the, the governor's number two, who hates her and is constantly trying to undermine her in front of the documentary crew that's supposedly filming this thing because it's all filmed in faux documentary style is great is really funny I enjoyed it I'm sorry it is broad I think there's still space for broad I mean, comedy don't apologize, but... uh, well I feel like yeah. because James is looking at me like, a, like I'm some kind of fucking moron but there is, it is yeah it's not trying to be all I'd say is I don't think it's trying to be anything like a, 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 you know a searing indictment of, of prison life or anything it's literally trying to be a funny um, thing kind of spoofing if you like the genre the whole genre of prison dramas that's what it's doing really in in a very in, a, in an absolutely unashamedly broad gag based manner and I think actually it has got I think it does pretty well on its gag rate it's and it's 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 a big mainstream you know go for broke sitcom that's what it is it's not it's it's not any you know it's not any of those other things basically so i'm fine with that i think i think it's fine i think it achieves what it sets out to do which is entertain people if you're saying who is it aimed at it's weird that it i tell you what's weird about it because it's on netflix I think know, it's going to be slightly more sophisticated well, than it is. Yeah, and, and but there's there is stuff you know they commission that isn't isn't massively trying to be sophisticated. Use that judgmental you know, word. Like it's, not word. <laughs> it's it's trying to be funny. That's what it's doing, and it's I think failing. it succeeds quite quite a large amount. Oh, yeah, I, I, I found this a punishing watch. Absolutely yeah. punishing. Like I st- I'm a hundred percent with Beth on this. I really hated every single minute of it. I, f- I mean, just taking aside the fact that it's wildly unfunny and the humour is so painfully first base, like it's it's toilet humour, it's vomit and fart gags, and, and they flogged these jokes to death as well. And it's just like Catherine Tate putting on a funny voice with some fake tattoos is not inherently funny. Like that, what, how is that amusing? Oh, look, she's playing multiple parts. Woohoo. And, you know, even if you take out the fact that to me, this just isn't even humor. Um, I just, I find that trying to get through this and then suddenly she's like this, this this idiotic male guard it's like well just cast someone else why are you playing all this there's no reason for you to be playing all these it's roles it doesn't serve any fucking narrative purpose right. it's like a gimmick that doesn't work and the kind of mock doc thing just feels really sub Ricky Gervais like it's just nowhere near on that level and I just oh I, I hated it so much <laughs> I hated it so much it gave me energy I just like <laughs> I was just like I was consumed with like a fury all the way yeah. through it that this had taken 
taken up half an hour of my life. I was so, so <sighs> deeply unhappy watching this. I can't even tell you. It is it is violently not for me. I'm just Brilliant. I'm looking at the IMDB page now and the characters' names feel like they belong to like there's, there's someone called Fat Pat. There's someone I know, called and Big Viv. Thick as shit Jean. <laughs> like, what the? I'm just like, what? come on. <laughs> and just, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry, Boyd. I feel... <laughs> it's, uh, don't apologise. Yeah, there's Pat Pat yeah. and Fat Pat. Like, come on. Come on, Catherine. Be the better... Be the better one. Be the better one. <sighs> No, yeah. stick with it, Catherine. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> on sale. On sale as on Netflix, uh, or drops on Netflix from the 12th of April. You've heard about this from Will Poulter, but Agatha Christie's Why Didn't They Ask Evans is adapted this week on BritBox uh, with Will Poulter investigating a murder alongside Lucy Boynton. Beth, who is Evan? And <laughs> why was he not asked? <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling to tell you, but I did like this show so far. Um, so yeah, it starts. Will Porter is uh, a caddy on a golf course with a very nice man. It's all very Sunday night tea time shit, isn't it? Which generally isn't a Beth Web vibe, but yeah, starts off with uh, with a murder on a golf course um, where a, a very nicely turned out man says some very mysterious words to Will Poulter as he dies. Um, and then it turns into kind of more of a, I would say maybe more of a character study of Will Poulter's character, who's a former Navy official. I think I've got that right. Um, and he is, you know, just trying to get to the bottom of things um, in this sort of sleepy town. Um, there's like all kinds of class stuff going on, class divide, because he's a bit of a wrong side of the tracks kind of guy. Um, there is this really fun, very sweet romance kind of simmering between him and uh, Lucy Boynton, who plays uh, Lady Frances Frankie Derwent. Um, and they have really, really fun rapport. And that is kind of what's what's saving it for me a little bit. It does kind of... And Hugh Laurie's obviously um, adapted it and directed it as well. Yeah, I buried the lead a little bit there. This is literally you written and yeah, directed yeah. by Hugh Laurie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so yes, I think it's it's Hugh Laurie behind the camera and then it's Will Poulter and um Lucy Boynton in these two leads that are really that even makes it feel a lot more modern than your standard, you know, um well <laughs> the Christie show, I guess. Considering, you know, it's a it's a period murder mystery. Um but yeah, these two performances from the two of them. I think Will Coulter's doing some interesting stuff. I really liked him in Dope Sick. He had a really complicated character in that. And Lucy Boynton is just very charming and, and cool. Um so that was really fun and it just felt like it had a, a fresher um energy um behind it. Um yeah, so it just felt a little bit more fresh, a little bit more modern. And I think, yeah, down to those two. And yeah, Hugh Laurie's direction felt very energetic. You could you could hear the rhythm of him speaking in their delivery, which I really liked. I, I really like Hugh Laurie. I mean, in House later on in his career, I think he really kind of hit his stride as just playing Hugh Laurie, basically. Kind of a little bit curmudgeon and quick talking and dry and, and funny and witty and charming and, and yet yeah, really comes across in those two. So yeah, I liked this a lot more than I thought I was going to. 
Yeah, it's interesting because I think the the Agatha Christie TV adaptations of recent years have been Sarah Phelps is kind of cool in the market, yeah. um, mm. and of course her versions of great actresses have been legendarily dark and perverse. And I mean, she literally <laughs> gets slagged off on them by idiots, but they've been they've they've you know they she really ekes out the. Um, Agatha Christie's fascinating obsession, really, with murder and death and violence and, you know, what drives people to perform those acts. But this is, in complete contrast, I think it's interesting that Hugh... It's the first, I believe it's the first thing he's ever directed, Hugh Laurie, which seems astonishing, but I believe yeah, that is well, the no, case. He's done, he's done some episodes of House, hasn't he? Like, he, uh, he did okay, do right, some back right, in the day. Okay. Like, it's the first thing he's directed since House, and I think right. he did some... Okay. Like, looking you at IMDb, he did 40-something and a couple oh, things, okay. but he's not done a lot of yeah. directing, certainly. Yeah. Um, so he, he adapted it, and, and it's definitely got a much more lighter it's got it's got what i would say is a a a just just almost oddly lighter tone even though Mm. there are moments in this which are really dark still you've got people hanging themselves or being you know yeah and 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 he doesn't flinch from kind of showing those darker moments but i think i think he manages the tone really really well it has you know the relationship between will paul and lucy boynton as you say bobby and frankie is a delight they are so they're literally buzzing off each other and that and i know it's an overused but the chemistry between them is absolutely fantastic i loved it i just i think will paul as you said beth you know his choices he is just one of the loveliest uh, you know, loved interviewing him. I think his his choices are great, and in this, he is so charming and a lovely and just a de- and it's inter- it's we- it's quite odd to have a, such a fundamentally decent guy at the centre of a murder mystery and it not be bland in any way. And I think that's yeah. down to Hugh yeah. Laurie's adaptation. But he's so sweet and, you know, he's just like the dream guy, isn't he? Like, so, Can you he's believe also, he like, was going to play Pennywise? He, wasn't, he, he was going to be right. cast as Pennywise yeah. at one stage. Yeah. I think that would have been I know. <laughs> a I very know. different film with Will Poulter yeah. as Pennywise. <laughs> so he's phenomenal. Then you've got people showing up. Emma Thompson, Jim Broadbent, Hugh Laurie shows up. Mm. Him, Conleth yeah. Hill at the beginning. Um Miles Jupp, who I love, Alistair Petrie uh, from is 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 his dad uh, from from Sex Education. Paul Whitehouse, yeah. oh my god, is hilarious as this kind of innkeeper in a pub who literally <laughs> plays on his fishing show. There are jokes about because obviously he's famous for his fishing show now, and there are little like in jokes about that, which absolutely I loved it. So the cast is fantastic. There are characters called things like Henry Brassington French, and you know, I, so I'm a huge fan of Agatha Christie. I'm a huge fan of Hugh Laurie. I'm a huge fan of Will Porter, and they have not let me down, is what I would say. I think it's really a fab... And it's a really quite complicated plot, by the way. You really have to pay attention, because I watched the whole thing, and um, I haven't ever seen or read this particular story before. Why didn't they ask Evans? So I was like, oh, you've really got to concentrate, because it's quite, it's quite complicated. And the explanation of who did it... As I say, you you got to don't don't kind of get distracted by your phone or, or or whatever because you have to follow it quite closely. But it's very satisfying. Yeah, it's like I mean, it should come as no massive shock. I wasn't really looking forward to this one. Like I watched this last night. I really, I was like, oh god, fine, all right, I'll watch this because it had that. From what I'd seen of it, it had that sort of like sort of fuzzy tea timey feel to it that doesn't really do it for me and yet despite myself i really enjoyed this and honestly i think lucy boynton is pretty much the heart of that i thought she was the standout there she is fantastic as a lady francis derwent uh she just plays it brilliantly because she's spiky and she's sarcastic and she's flirty and she plays with him all the time and he plays it quite straight he has this sort of innate decency and affability and he's nobody's fool but he's quite decent he's a strong moral compass uh 
but she's just so much fun as a character and as you said like the two of them together bouncing off each other is what carries this along more than the mystery does for me like the mystery yeah sure I would like to know that happens but spending time with the two of them became more important to me than finding out who did it by the end of this uh, but yeah I thought they and she in particular were fantastic and a really deep bench a really deep bench on mm. this show as well just every five minutes so yeah it, it hello, what? It's like, it's Emma Thompson. It's Jim Broadman. What's happening? You know, and this is because, and Conleth Hill has been holding your hand all the way through the first episode and that's been fantastic. Uh, it's, re- yeah, it's it's really good. Mm. And yeah, I thought that was great. So, if, you know, if this is a mark of things to come, I would like you, Laurie, to do more stuff behind the camera. I think that would be great. Yeah. Yes, please. Yep. Uh, but anyway, so, why didn't they ask Evans then is on BritBox uh, and that's begins boy does it begin does not drop all at once does it uh i think it might do but i'm not 100 it might sure. do it <laughs> yeah. certainly it, it arrives in some shape or form yeah. on britbox on the 14th on thursday yeah uh, we don't know how many episodes but i'm sure you'll find out <laughs> <laughs> right okay fine finally then this week we have the triumphant return of dairy girls arguably the best sitcom i would say currently on british screens and the show responsible for resurrecting smash hits this week, Boyd, mm. uh, which was pretty exciting. If you pick one of those up around uh, train stations in London, it was very, very exciting. Uh, that was or free with Heat Magazine, in fact. Well, out of, I mean, if you have to buy Heat Magazine, you can get it that way as well. But they yeah. were... <laughs> You can pick it up. Uh, but it was great to see uh, to see them back in Smash It. That was fun. Uh, but the final series is set, obviously, during the Troubles in Northern Ireland, uh, as all the others are. And it sees our hapless quintet continue to sow chaos far and wide. Uh, so, Boydie, this final series of Derry Girls, of which I'm, I think we've all only seen one episode, right? They only made one yeah. episode available. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was, was, was this a Smash It? How did you feel? <laughs> Tell us. Yes, absolutely. Um it's just an instant reminder, you know, when you, you watch the first thing of what made it so special to begin with. Lisa McGee kind of mining her own experience of growing up um, in the backdrop of the Troubles. And they've reached now this point, the time where the peace process is happening in the background. So on the news, yep. they're kind of looking at Mo Molum is a figure like, you know, and they're kind of just making, you know, making references to her. And I thought that was, that really grounds it in reality and then you've just got this this the delightful gang coming back with and what she does brilliantly i think lisa mcgee because on one level it is a very traditional sitcom it's a traditional gang sitcom and in fact what you were talking about james like the really the character who's really stupid on one like she's got that real kind of orla yes or, yeah orla <laughs> but um, i weirdly don't mind orla in this right, at all because right, she, well, she fits into their dynamic yes, perfectly. this is what i'm gonna say they're all types they're all initially types, which and, and, yep. and traditional sitcoms absolutely deal with stereotypes and types. Mm. But she mines them for the depth. She finds the depth in them because we've got to know them so well over just twelve episodes so far. And now you know this new series of six episodes. It's astonishing the brilliance of her character depth that she finds in these pe- in these characters. It's fantastic. And this first episode, they go on, I, I will say they go on a caper, a, a kind of a classic <laughs> comedy caper that is preposterous. It's absolutely <laughs> preposterous. But she sells it to you. Yeah, she does. Even, and there's, so there's a big guest star who we cannot yeah. name because it's a massive yeah, I told spoiler. you off the other day, Boyd, because yeah. you were going to say who it was in the office. No, I wasn't. seen oh, it yet. In the office. Sorry, yeah. in the office. Yes, I was going to. The yeah. A massive and cameo. A massive. So angry. But so they end up I mean I, I don't want to spoil anything but they, they, there is a whole there's a police interrogation element and the police interrogation scenes are the funny I think they're the funniest in this whole series so far they're hysterical and there's a there's even there's kind of a line of duty joke which seems insane because obviously this is set 30 years before line of duty but it works 
it absolutely <laughs> works. It's hysterically funny. And it's got the confidence now. I mean, it's always been a, a, a confident show. I mean, Lisa McGee is just a, a genius. But it's like even more like she can get away with stuff that's ridiculous. She gets away with one-liner gags, with, you know, with serious moments when you're, you're you know, whenever there is that reference to the troubles in the background, you're like, yeah, well, you know, that all works. It's just, just the... Everything is perfectly pitched. The cast is just a joy. Every single to, to think how perfectly cast all of these characters are, you know, right down to Dylan Llewellyn as, as the as the wee English fella who's still perfect in it. Um, it's it's just perfect. Yeah, perfect is the word. Perfect is the word. I, it's so bittersweet, isn't it? Because mm. it has to end. It has to end. I, I'm glad. I, much as I love it, I love when a show just knows when to stop. And I think yeah. they know that this is... I mean, it had to stop anyway on account of their age. I didn't know that Nicola Coughlin is 33 years old. She's oh my, my age. Wow. Playing a 16-year-old girl. And the wow. way... She <laughs> pulls it off a testament to her acting that she is straight back being that hyperactive, hyperanxious, jittery, throw them under the bus in an instant if there's like an, a hint that it could jeopardize her future. Straight back into that. And I think that is just fucking brilliant. But I mean, it's you say it's been perfectly cast. It was cast incredibly well. And then those girls have just, mm. and boy, have embraced those characters and inhabited those characters so with such love and care. And that dynamic has fortified so enjoyably over these three seasons that it is just so exciting. I was so excited and just like grinning to be back in the presence of those girls and then their extended world as well. So, you know, all of the families are back. I don't even want to say one of the characters that comes back because he comes back, he's reintroduced at such a fucking perfect moment in this episode that I was like <laughs> roaring with laughter, absolutely roaring with laughter. Just and you know, it's it's just someone we've seen in the other series, but the way he's reintroduced is so fucking funny. And they're playing up to their character traits without it becoming too overpowering. It's just wonderful. Back with the pop bangers again. It's just. I don't know. I've I've read a few interviews and and seen. We we actually with with Natasha Leone in the um the interview we're going to run in the uh, April issue of Empire out on the fourteenth of April, also <laughs> my birthday. If you want to do something nice for me, there. Anything else you'd like to plug? <laughs> no, that's it. Just the magazine on my birthday. Uh, okay. <laughs> but Natasha Leone was saying, you know, I, I was I was very nervous about coming back after three years. I I wondered if people would still love Nadia like they did the first time, and I know that was the the big issue with Glow. That Netflix reason for cancelling it is like people have lost their appetite for this show by the time it comes back around again. But I think this is such a joyful reminder that if you really fucking love a show as much as as we do with this show it is just such a joy to be back in the company um and uh i don't know if i can say i've seen the trailer of the first episode of russian doll and i can just say it's very much the case for that as well like, i see what you did there i yeah. see what you did there yeah. <laughs> i've got the trailer to watch as well i'm excited yeah, yeah. you're both um, monsters <laughs> But yeah, I, I just think, yeah, it, you know, just to be back in that, and it's just such a, it's not to get too too dark and grim, but it's just almost like being taken back to before all this fucking bullshit happened, you know, just to kind of be back like, oh, remember when, 
remember, remember when the troubles were a thing. Yes, the good old days. <laughs> I did not think this through. <laughs> you did not think this through. <laughs> I'm talking about when like the second season came out and it was almost like, you know, that being almost famous where she's like, does anybody remember laughter? And it's like, yeah. it's like, God, it's good to be refreshed and back in this world again after everything that's happened. Um, yeah, yeah. It is wonderful. It's a wonderful, wonderful show. Even I find it hilariously funny and heartwarming and all these things. But all of the characters are so brilliant in different ways. I love Ian McKellen's, like, Joe McCall, the sort of grumpy father-in-law. Then this, this situation with the cat in this one. He's just <laughs> fucking brilliant. Uh, Siobhan McSweeney's sister, Michael, maybe the greatest thing that's ever been on television. <laughs> I fucking love her as well. Um, it's just such a lovely show. And it's genuinely funny. And look, you know I don't particularly enjoy comedy. What, But what I like from comedy you know i have a weird relationship with it but what i like with comedy is for me it's all about the writing i really like smart writing kind of well realized and this is so smartly written and it's so you know it just it just lands and partly it's down to the casting as you say but like it's it's as boyd mentioned like she mines these characters these archetypes and slots them together with this perfectly formed little group and it just works like it consistently works all the time there's never a line in here that feels kind of you know lazy or a bit sort of wasted everything seems to serve a purpose and it's all sort of like perfectly formed uh i yeah i i love it and it's hilarious and it's joyous and it's wonderful uh and it upsets me that we only have these f- scant few episodes left to watch of it uh but it is a very special thing dairy girls which returns then to uh channel four uh at 9 15 p.m on the 12th of april uh for its final final series what else is out this week Boydie? There's Julia, the Julia Child um, drama, yes. uh, which is on Sky Atlantic, I believe, and um, starts on Tuesday, and um, is Sarah Lancashire playing the character that was played by Meryl Streep in the That's film. Right. And I've seen some of this, and Sarah Lancashire is fantastic in it, and her husband is played by David Hyde Pierce off of Frasier. And there's yep. even a baby Neurowith. Um, so it's like a Frasier reunion, as well as being a really interesting Fun show in its own right. That's on Tuesday, Sky Atlantic now, uh, nine o'clock. There's a new sitcom after um, Derry Girls launching at 9.45 on Tuesday called Hull Raisers, which is actually really good. And in a normal week, as I always say, we should have had time to, to watch it. Um, it's created by Lucy Beaumont and uh, Anne-Marie O'Connor, who are at Hull um, Legends, Hull Comedy Legends. And it's about three working class women um, and their li- and their everyday lives in Hull. And I've seen that and it's really good. Um, I have to say, maybe not one for James, but you know, what is, <laughs> who cares? Um, uh, there's a brilliant Gatter documentary about Paul Gascoigne and Wednesday on BBC Two, but that's definitely not for James. Um, what else is there? I'm just plumbing through well, my episode. Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Easter Sunday. How could I forget? Oh, Doctor Who is back for what? For this is the penultimate uh, episode in Jodie Whittaker's Doctor Who career. So that is very exciting, I have to say. And The Thief, His Wife and the Canoe starts on Easter Sunday, which we definitely should have reviewed. But I didn't realise it was coming so soon on Easter Sunday. I thought it was going to start Easter Monday. That is a true crime story. Four nights uh, uh, going on Sunday to uh, Wednesday. Written by Chris Lang of Unforgotten fame. With Eddie Marzan and Monica Dolan. And it's about the Anne and John Darwin. The couple who faked John's death 
in 2002. It was a big story, a uh, big news story. And they've turned that into a four-part true crime drama, which starts on Easter Sunday. And I think that might be it. But yeah, fucking hell, it's a lot. There's also All the Way Up, uh, which is a French hip-hop drama, which did very, very well in France. But that's a French-language hip-hop drama. Um, and that lands on Studio Canal Presents, which is kind of a relatively new channel. Uh, but that airs on there on the 15th of April. So you might enjoy that one. And in- also, we have to include Anatomy of a Scandal, which lands on the 15th. Oh, yes. and we review- Yes. last week which is very good indeed mm. yes good friday right okay pick of the week then is obviously dairy girls dairy girls, dairy girls. yes definitely and I think that's it. Beth's got, you know, I don't know, like rays to catch or waves to something. I don't know, whatever it is Someone one does. Someone has not been on resort. holiday in a long time, is he? <laughs> yeah, I haven't. Yeah. I don't remember what it's like. Uh, but uh, the rest of us have to get back to the daily humdrum that is our lives. So uh, that is it for this week's show. Uh, if you've a mind to, then please do show your appreciation by putting a cheque for £100 in a sealed envelope and sending it to the office. Uh, if that's out of the question, we will settle, of course, for a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your preference you can find pilot on social media at pilot tv pod uh where we have weekly recommendations and all sorts of other fine things you can find myself and beth on instagram and twitter at james c diet and at beth k where boyd is also on twitter but he has too many followers as it is uh, <laughs> on next week's show we will have all manner of things to discuss including the return of russian doll the trailer for which may or may not have been seen by members of this podcast already uh, and potentially the home stretch for better call saul assuming Beth's got to that point at that stage, uh, leaving me precisely one week to catch up on that particular show. I will see if I can fit it in around episodes of Newark Newark. Uh, (laughs) Until then, pilots out.